0: This information is for educational purposes only. References to commercial products or trade names does not imply endorsement by MSU Extension or a bias against those not mentioned. MSU is an Affirmative Action Equal Opportunity Employer. Michigan State University Extension programs and materials are open to all. This work is supported by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture Crop Protection and Pest Management Program, and through the North Central IPM Center. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the view of the U.S. Department of Agriculture.
1: You're listening to the MSU Hot Podcast with Extension Educators Erin Lazat and Dr. Rob Sarine.
0: last one, uh, Mr. Mark Trowbridge. Mr. Mark Trowbridge, we've known for a long, long time. Uh, Mark, is, he's we've probably been working with Mark for at least a decade. Um, he's one of the original hot growers in Michigan, um, produce a very high quality product. Um, in fact, I think they're planting more acreage uh, just to maximize their production this year. But They is- have
1: won the Chinook Cup as well. They are Chinook Cup winners. In fact, I think they've won various Chinook Cup Associated Awards at Top Hops.
0: Yeah, I think twice at least. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, outstanding growers, a wealth of knowledge, talking about um, some of the challenges and opportunities in growing hops, but also um, Mark is the president of the Hop Growers of Michigan. So he can speak from that that broader perspective as well and that connection with the national industry. Um, Yeah, Yeah, another great conversation.
1: Yeah, he so Mark was one of the original founders of Hop Growers of Michigan, which is the grower group. And he'll talk more about that. But it's, you know, the grower group that represents the industry. And I think Mark's always really passionate and motivated about service to the greater industry. And it's so critical um, for us at the university to have those industry partners that are engaged, that are active, that, you know, want to work together Share information, make connections. And so Mark's been an awesome ally in that. And we really enjoyed this conversation with him. Hopefully, you will too. Boom. I feel like I'm just cutting it off. Like, I hope you don't have anything else to say, Rob, because that's it.
0: That was fine. That was great. That was it. Aaron and I are really excited to be talking with Mark Trowbridge today. He is one of the initial hop growers in Michigan. He's uh, him and his son run Top Hops, and he's also the current president of the Hop Growers of Michigan. And I should mention two-time Chinook Cup champion. All um, right. <laughs> so, Mark, can you introduce yourself and maybe let us and everyone else know how you got into hops and how you're connected with the industry?
2: Sure. Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, Well, I have been in the hop business with my son, Sean, for nine years now. Um, And we probably researched uh, hops a couple years before that. So we're looking at about 11 year uh, Mm -hmm. term of of hops. I am a retired engineer from the automotive industry. uh, So that's my background. My son has a degree in biology and an interest in plants and outdoor life. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually picked up a a retired skilled tradesman that's a friend of mine and neighbor. And so the three of us made a pretty good team at um, setting up the hop farm and Mm -hmm. doing all the uh, different things that go along with uh, growing hops and selling hops and uh, getting equipment in place and all that so
0: that's a really good point mark it's not just sitting on a tractor right there's uh, everything from you know figuring out what varieties are going to grow researching the market all the way through um, harvest post-harvest sales can you talk a little bit about all all of that as well
2: um of course i can (laughs)
1: you'd be delighted right yeah I'd be delighted
2: um well like I say there there is the need for a lot of different uh talents uh different hats that you wear and so um Sean and I and Dave and Dave is the uh third part of this we always refer to ourselves as a three-legged stool and uh without you know, any one of us, uh, the business wouldn't succeed. So uh, Dave brought to it the ability ability to make a lot of things that are unique with the hop industry. Um, like it is, like you said, it's so much different than row cropping or dairy because, you know, those are uh, out there. People can go buy a tractor, you can buy a disc and you can buy pretty much everything you need. But with uh, putting in a hop farm in Michigan, um we were pretty much sketching things up and fabricating a lot of things uh, mm-hmm. year after year um, my son uh, had to obviously learn a lot um, and a lot of that thanks to uh, Michigan State University um, made available a lot of information educational opportunities um, you know we participated in the hop and barley conference and uh, went on their bus tours and we've over the years and we continue to learn um, how to get better yields and higher quality out of the plant. Mm -hmm. So, that's, and then the uh, sales is probably becoming a key to success in hop Mm -hmm. farming because Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people um, wanted to grow hops and be hop farmers and they were able to do that, but then they weren't able to uh, make a profit or at least get their money back because they, they hadn't really thought through how they're going to sell it and what they're going to sell it for and who to. So um, my son, Sean, has been a tremendous resource for that because he, um, he likes to talk and he likes to drink <laughs> beer. So uh, that, that really helps when uh, you're going around to the breweries and uh, usually you're sitting down with a brewer, not with somebody that's in purchasing or you know, the owner, a lot of times it's uh, the guy that back there that's um, grabbing the bag of mm-hmm. hops and ripping them open them, throwing them in the pot. So mm-hmm. Sean has done an excellent job of going around, uh, spending a lot of time knocking on doors and sitting down with uh, our customer and establishing that relationship that is uh, critical to uh, remaining in the hop business. that's a really good
0: point you know we um, we did some research with some of your hops up here and the brewer that we were working with Um, there's a lot of different factors involved and and he he was very complimentary of your the packaging in particular uh, of the hops of your guys's hops um, compared to some others so um, can you talk a little bit about um, you know aside from growing like how that picking harvest, uh, kind of post-harvest, and how you fine-tune that over the years, because there's a lot of different factors involved, not just, again, growing or drying. Now you got to be thinking about, are we pelletizing these? Are we we using proper packaging and that sort of thing, because brewers really look for that.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because a lot of people overlook that, and Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, we put a lot of effort into packaging uh, to... Make it very consistent and presentable, and as basically we do 100% 11 pound bags, and we put a lot of effort into we actually we changed our box size about three times to get it as small and compact as possible. Uh, we're consistent with our labels. You know, we actually put a mark on the box when we buy them to where the labels go, mm-hmm. and uh, just a lot of attention to detail. And I think it shows when people. Mm-hmm see us show up with uh you know whether it's three boxes or 30 boxes everyone looks exactly the same they're taped the same the labels are in the same place and um the bags when they rip the bags open you know they're all vacuum packed and look Mm -hmm. consistent uh some of them aren't you know we we don't accept the fact that some of them be drawn drawn down vacuum really hard and others would be a big pillow um because if i'm a brewer and I rip open five boxes and each bag looks a little different. I'm gonna wonder, you know, what are these guys doing?
1: Where else so, are they inconsistent in their practices? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You're right. I mean it's it kind of reflects how you run your whole business. And to be honest with you, there's still people out there that are um they're vacuum packing stuff and putting it into a box that they got from the hardware store and walking up to the brewery with it. It's just, uh, it's kind of crazy, you know, and they yeah. might have handwritten labels and things. Yeah, that's
0: really interesting. And that, I think that's really important. Uh, I was touring around with some guys from the Hop Quality Group um, doing audits and they'll look, they'll go in and look at the, the harvest facility, the processing facility, and they'll look around and, you know, is there tools laying around on the floor um, or, you know, are, are things everything's in their place is everything well maintained is it clean because uh, they that's what they're looking for that's what they're used to at a, at a higher level uh albeit you know working in a brewery it's a different situation but they want they want all their raw materials to be you know sourced um abiding by food safety rules and and have everything in their place as well because it is a reflection on um on the work and on the product so i think you're right. exactly right mark
2: yeah. yeah, that was really one of the reasons we, the hop growers of Michigan, uh, did the Ver- verified source program, um, mm-hmm. because it focuses in on procedures and having you know standard operating practices, um, and like you said, just things about if you have a broom. For example, here at our farm, and, and this is part of the verified sources. If you have you know a broom. where you let's say you have a dryer area and you dump hops into there and then you broom uh, those hops that you know didn't make it into your uh, chute you can broom Mm them in Um, Mm -hmm. we label the broom that says that's what that broom is for and it can't be used for anything else so you don't grab that broom and then go you know sweep out the driveway and then the next Mm -hmm. day you're sweeping hops with it so yeah you're right when um, the quality group walks through and they if they see a broom, you know, they're going to want to know, is that going to be used on my hops? And if you can't show that you have, and, and this is just one example, but if you can't show that the broom that you do use on hops isn't somewhere already labeled and identified for your your employees, then they got to suspect the worst and that you don't really treat your hops any different than you treat your driveway. Um. So, so the verified source focused in on getting that mindset, uh, with everyone that, you know, you treat hops, uh, as a food product and you put policies and procedures in place where you're, uh, you're consistent, uh, year after year, you do everything the same way. And it's been a pretty good program. I think it was very well received by the brewery, uh, brewing industry.
1: Yeah. I think it's really nice. It's, it's such a resource for growers, um, too, that, you know, might not have a background in that. Like you said, it's kind of a set of standard operating procedures that helps them think through how they're doing things and if it makes sense. And, you know, it provides kind of a structure to work from, which when you're starting from zero is so helpful, um, to have available to you. So, I was hoping we could kind of back up a little bit, because we haven't really talked about what Hop Growers of Michigan is. And Mark, I know you've Mm -hmm. been kind of involved since its inception, Mm -hmm. so I'm hoping maybe you can tell us a little bit about the history and how it came about and what it looks like today.
2: Okay. Um, Well, I know that, um, Rob, you were involved in uh, hops here in Michigan right from day one, and I'm not sure when you got into it, Aaron, but you've been involved in it ever since I had It's been
1: about six months I've been working with apps.
2: So <laughs> yeah, right. Did you say um, 160
0: months? That's about Yeah, right. yeah.
2: <laughs> Seems like forever. <laughs> but um, when, when we got into uh, the business and we have treated it like a business, um, there were meetings being conducted, uh, facilitated by, um, I can't remember the name of the group but there, there was an effort to basically try to get a handle on uh, the hop industry in Michigan and where it was going where it was heading and mm-hmm. and part of that is because uh, getting hops from the field to the finished product that the brewers need involves a lot of capital investment and a lot of uh, unique practices especially the pelletizing and packing and so there was an effort to try to take a look at Um, do we have are we going to end up having 20 or 30 completely independent businesses you know that have to buy all this equipment and then end up selling their own hops or would it make more sense to put in a co-op where there would be facilities put in place and there would be shared resources and there was a lot of go rounds on that Um, and not necessarily uh, the, the smartest uh, decisions are made, you know, when there's emotions involved or, <laughs> you know, when you're at the beginning of a business, everybody, I think everybody just wanted to have their own thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so when the hop industry would have these meetings and say, hey, you know, what can we do? The, it ended up that everybody could agree with having an association that would help the industry and help individual growers but nobody wanted to get involved in a co-op at that time Mm -hmm. so so the hop growers of michigan was established as a growers uh, association that would um, share information help each other out promote um, michigan grown hops uh, but we would not get into the business end of individual businesses
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and that's the way we've always been and it and everybody liked that you know i um, i'm sure at times uh some of the small farms could have benefited from a co-op because um, they wouldn't have you know run into some of the roadblocks that they have over the years so but that's uh that's where the association is right now we're we're strictly a growers association and uh continue to do the yeah. same thing we set out to uh when we started
1: well i think it's really interesting because i mean just working with different groups of um, growers i mean i do have to say that the hop growers tend to be even more fiercely independent than other groups that i've worked with everybody kind of has their own take on things and in their own way that they want to get things done and i think too um We have a lot of kind of first generation, so to speak, um, farmers in this group of growers. So a lot of people, you know, I mean, we don't have fourth generation hop farmers in Michigan. Um, But but also it's it's people coming back to the farm that have maybe their families have been off the farm for multiple generations. And so, yeah, I do wonder because I think more traditional agricultural producers um, might find the idea of a cooperative more attractive <laughs> than uh, kind of these ind- more independent first generation growers. Just just in an, the understanding of all of the work we just talked about, right? So the processing, the sales, all of those things. Um, if you're not interested in that, it's pretty hard to be a hop grower in Michigan right now and find any level of success. So right. um, really well, d- an interesting perspective.
2: I think what makes it unique, excuse me, compared to, like you said, uh, row crop or something like that is, you know, we are tied into the uh, craft beer industry and everybody knows Mm -hmm. the craft beer industry is a sexy thing. And um, so I think most of us headed down the path saying, you know, yeah, we're going to be a farm, but we're also going to get to um, hang out at the brewery and talk to (laughs) our favorite brewers and, uh, we're going to be able to brag about mm-hmm. the fact that, uh, hey, that beer has my hops in it. <laughs> yeah, we're you know, also sexy guys as well. <laughs> yeah, right. We're,
1: we're, sexy, it's sexy with Jameson. Right?
2: <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're sexy by association, you
1: know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so a
2: great,
0: that's a great band name right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, think, uh, I think you're right, Aaron, is that we – You know, it's kind of funny because I see some of these uh, new farms that have come in, and I think the first thing they do instead of putting together a business case is they talk about what the name of their farm should be, Mm -hmm. you know, so that their farm has a cool name, and they look forward to having their hops in a beer, Um, not thinking about all the steps it takes to get it (laughs) into that beer, you know. Um, And I think that's why you're – everybody wanted to have their own brand you know like we're we're top hops you know we're top hops mm-hmm. farm uh, we have a logo uh we have a brand and uh it's it's a fun cool part of the business but it takes uh, it takes a lot of sales work to do it i mean we're handing out um you know things we're handing out signs and stickers and labels and you know we're doing the sales end of it uh, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen by itself even even with customers that we've had for four or five years you know they they'll say hey we love your hops we'll keep buying it but you know if we don't call them every every now and then it's kind of like they just slide off uh, they disappear and I,
1: right, it takes a lot of maintenance in today's market. It does,
2: because they have so many other options, and, and a lot of the yeah. other options are very good options. I mean, you take a look mm-hmm. at the the guys out in the Pacific Northwest. They they got their act together. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. They,
2: they've been in it for years. They know how important uh, quality and consistency is. And so uh, while it's uh, sexy and fun, it's also a never-ending uh uh, part of the business, of uh, keeping that relationship with the brewers.
0: Mark, how, um, do you sell most of your hops in Michigan? I'm imagining trying to keep that, keep those relationships and it's, you know, a phone call is nice, but, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, a visit is even better for those types of people. And if you're selling beyond Michigan, that's kind of a lot of travel involved as well. And, um, is that how you sell most of your hops or how you create those markets by developing relationship with brewers, whether it's in Michigan or elsewhere? And where do you sell most of your hops? Uh,
2: um, we sell most of our hops in Southeast Michigan. So okay. we do do like to try to stay close to home. Um, but we also have reached out into Ohio and Indiana and Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I think a great opportunity for the hop grower that wants to sell his own hops is to participate in the uh, the brewery guild events um, mm-hmm. because i mean you go to a winter conference and i mean where else can you sell your stuff where you can have 50 or 60 customers or 100 customers mm-hmm. all in the same building at the same time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we definitely travel and go to those things. We um, buy, you know, we pay for memberships to the guilds. Uh, so our, our names out there and uh, uh, so, yeah, I but even that, uh, that's keeping us like within the Great Lakes area uh, mm-hmm. because cause you're right. I mean, let's say we'd love to sell down in North Carolina or, you know, maybe Texas or, you know, I don't know where the hot spots are for craft beer right now, but I mean, it would make sense to sell them there, but uh, we need to go there. And uh, it's hard to get that much uh, time away from the farm and uh, spend the money to be out on the road for a couple of days doing that kind of stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you guys are kind of lucky where you're located down there because, you know, you can I mean, we talk about the definition of local a lot, you know, but you can probably be perceived as local to, you know, a large dense population area in Southeast Michigan, even Southern Michigan, you know, across the bottom of the state. And as you move north and you get more rural, boy, there's there's fewer beer drinkers. So there's, there's fewer breweries and there's fewer, um, there's kind of less, you know, demand. So I think also just thinking about like the capacity if you're gonna really rely on that those kind of local or regional sales, like what is the capacity for you know, hops in this region? Like and, and thinking about scaling things to that as well based on your outreach strategy. So
0: right. Yeah. That's a good point, Aaron. I mean you talked about it yesterday with Ann when you know how many what average pounds per barrel um, do brewers use and maybe two at the most. I don't know if they're dry hopping, maybe more if they're crazy, but you know, pretty quickly, if you're at, even if you're at, I don't know, a thousand pounds an acre, that's a lot of beer right there. (laughs) One farm could supply. So yeah, I think you're right.
2: And, and most of us, uh, in Michigan are smaller farms. You know, we're looking for that niche market. We're a boutique supplier. And mm-hmm. you're right. The, so, so we're not going over to Bell's and Founders to sell beer. We're uh, going to, you know, the little mom and pop shops uh, that are in the neighborhood that might only be brewing. They might be doing 300 barrels a year. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't consume very much hops. No. <laughs> uh, so when we make a delivery, um, we might fill the Suburban up and drive around to eight or 10 breweries and some of them we're only dropping off, you know, 22 pounds of hops to. Mm-hmm. Um, others might be getting 44 pounds or, you know, but that seems to be the market we're in and it does take some uh, time. We we also uh, sell a lot uh, using UPS. So mm-hmm. a lot of our product goes out in uh, smaller, uh, grouped, you know, packages. Um,
1: sure.
2: We're we're selling, I, I will say that, that that's where the majority of our sales is right around the Great Lakes area, but um, we do use Lupin Exchange as well. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much has gotten us everywhere in the country. Um, and it's worked out well. I mean, we get repeat sales and then we've gotten to the point where some of them just call us up and say, you know, hey, we like your stuff, we're going to keep buying it, why don't we just buy direct instead of going through Lupin Exchange? Mm-hmm. And uh, so the initial sales are there, but uh, the long-term relationship gets established. And That's uh, great. Yeah.
1: That's a great opportunity, a great platform for just like you're talking about, for kind of reaching beyond the geographical limitations you have as direct salesmen to maybe establish some different relationships. That's,
2: that's yeah. Yeah. Yes, it I think it's been a great opportunity for us.
0: And so Mark, do you think that, you know, especially those brewers who um, might not be at all concerned about buying local hops from Michigan, um say you're selling to somewhere in Texas, they found you on the Lupulin Exchange and they keep coming back. Is it obviously you're you're producing a quality product, but is there something different about the flavor? of Michigan hops that you've heard brewers like, whether it's a certain terroir or, um, I don't know, a different aroma that they they experience? Because as you said, they could be buying probably the same varieties of hops from somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Why do, mm-hmm. why do you think they come back to you guys?
2: Um, I think the aroma, I don't know if it's necessarily being different, uh, but the I think the uh, amount of aroma, Mm-hmm. Um, which can lead back to, you know, the timing of your harvest and mm-hmm. how you dry. And so I think, you know, we have we're a 17 acre farm, you know, or 20 acre farm, and we have our own dryers here. You know, that we can walk out to the field and try to optimize the exact day that we're picking our Chinook or our Cascade or our Centennial. To make it so that we think it's the best it should be, you know, and we can get samples, and so we have an advantage over somebody that's doing two or three thousand acres. Mm-hmm. Um, we can we can delay picking a field because you know we have the ability to do that, and the same mm-hmm. thing with drying. Uh, we we dry at one hundred degrees F, um, but mm-hmm. we take two days to dry. Uh, the big guys out west can't. They don't have that luxury, so I mean, they might be drying at 125 or 130 degrees F, and they're losing some of those. Um, at least I say, you know, this is part of my sales pitch here, but uh, they're losing some of that aroma. Mm-hmm. I mean, gra- granted, they're still putting out a good product, but I think that's enough to separate us from uh, the big guys. Is those two, um, those two things right there just allow us to be a little bit better that they can notice it, you know, when they rip those bags open, they get the aroma. I think that's why they buy us is because of the amount of aroma and, and the appearance of the product versus us being different.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you ever have brewers come out to the
2: farm? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they like pick what they want or? Um, no um we we have them out here to show them the hops we walk through the hops ideally they are coming out right at harvest time so they they can go out and pick some cones off and rub them and smell them and get to experience the hop farm um and we do some you know wet hop sales uh but it's Mm -hmm. usually just uh, to be honest with you it's a very small portion of our business so we i think last year we sold the 12, somewhere around 12 or 16 different breweries, some wet hops, but the quantity, I mean, we probably only sold them maybe 30, 40 pounds of hops. Mm-hmm. Got so, it, okay. but So they're just doing it to kind of be involved in the harvest ale thing. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, a big portion of their business either. It's just kind of, I think, one of those fun things that brewers like to do. We like to do it.
0: Yeah. I I think that's pretty cool because you know when we talk about people being removed from agri- agriculture and you ask a kid well where does a chicken come from from the grocery store um, <laughs> you know and so even you would think well brewers their 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 product is you know hops is such an integral part of their product yet because in the past so much of the hops have been growing out in the pacific northwest a a lot of these smaller breweries or tap rooms haven't had the opportunity to even get out and see hops uh so i think that that's a really cool thing that you
2: guys are doing yeah it's it's fun you know it's it's kind of rewarding it's definitely rewarding for us to have them out here and we've um up until covid you know we had a couple years in a row where we did a pig roast here and we tried to get as many customers here as we can and um, it gets all them together, it gets them opportunities to see our farm, you know, all the way mm-hmm. from the field out to our pelletizing room, and uh, basically to help pay them back for uh, being loyal customers. So, so you could put, put a mask it? on the pig? <laughs> yeah, we, we tried, but it kept getting burnt off. <laughs> yeah, so. Well,
1: you know, it's like so much of this stuff, it comes back to the relationships, right? The relationships you develop and maintain and, you know, that translates into hopefully long-term partnerships where everybody benefits. So yeah. I love the idea and and that it is regional and so those people can physically visit the farm. I mean, I think that's that's great.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it is a good opportunity, and like you say, they they can buy from the guys Pacific Northwest, you know, all the time. But for them to actually go out and get a tour of a farm is it's very expensive for them to go out there and justify the the expense and the uh, days away from their brewery. You know, here they can, you know, most a lot of our customers can drive here. You know, spend a nice day here and then drive back home without any issues. So,
0: mm-hmm. what, uh, Mark? What what different cultivars of hops do you grow, and which one is your favorite, or do you have a couple <laughs> of favorites? Uh,
2: well, ironically, uh, my favorite is Chinook. Um, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Just be- because I'm I'm an IPA uh, beer drinker, and I so I love our Chinook, and I love our Centennial. Um, mm-hmm. we also do Cascade, uh, Cashmere, Mount Rainier. Uh, we're now doing Triumph and, mm-hmm. uh, we're doing the other one is, uh, Tahoma or no, uh, Nios. We're doing a Neo is our other, uh, variety now. Okay. Um, so we have a pretty good mix and uh, they all seem mm-hmm. to have their own different, you know, they're little different, uh, types of beer that they go into. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm a IPA guy. I love the, I love the Chinook mm-hmm. and I love winning, winning the Chinook cup. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um, how about you, Rob? What's your favorite?
0: Uh, I can tell you, well, my favorite beer style, um, it's funny. We ask we ask everyone we talk to about this, and I like Scott Graham's uh, probably answer the best. It's whatever beer is in my hand that I'm drinking at that time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I you know it. My taste varies so much. I, same same with you. Um, you know, I probably started drinking craft beer in college, and it was uh, Bell Solson, which is now Oberon. They um, had to change the name. Um and two hearted's one of my favorite beers, just you know i p a but then i you know i also like sour beers um i like mm-hmm. um i like like a lager every once in a while i like ciders i mean i don't there's pretty- i like pretty much like everything yeah any anything yeah. fermented uh I can't really <laughs> pin it down okay. <laughs> I
2: get the point yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah um what about you, Aaron?
1: Well, I always tease um, people and say that my favorite beer is vodka, but in all all seriousness, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm kind of the same. I mean, I do love an IPA. I also love a really well done Pilsner. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to do a Pilsner well. I mean, I like to try things like Pilsners and some of those lighter ends of the beer scale at microbreweries because I think it tells you a lot about how nuanced the brewer is with their palate and and the way they're blending things and creating flavors because it's so hard to hide issues in those beers right Mm -hmm. off flavors and things like that um so I really enjoy like checking those out and then like maybe an IPA, but, you know, I, I love the idea that you can, you know, if I have a couple IPAs, that's a lot. So, um, <laughs> I, it's just like, uh, I mean, in terms just of usually the alcohol amount. So it's nice to kind of mix in those, those lighter beers and, or if you're eating food or things like that, I like lighter beers too. Yeah. So
2: that is one yeah. nice thing about the variety is, that uh, even uh, seasonal, you know, like some, this time of yeah. year, it's a lot more enjoyable to drink a, a tasty, dark, you know, mm-hmm. beer mm-hmm. out of a brandy snifter. And, you know, when it's hot and sunny, uh, you'd like a a couple pints of something, you know? Yeah. Something crisp and refreshing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You're yeah exactly something. right. Yeah. So.
1: So we've been kind of talking to people a little bit about, I mean, it's hard to have this discussion and not talk about what's going on in the outside world with the pandemic and how it might be affecting our industries. I'm wondering, you know, from HGM's perspective or your farm perspective, kind of what you're seeing as a result of the pandemic and if how you're addressing or thinking about those challenges moving forward. Mm It's it's crazy
2: out there. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think you know that kind of ties into the fact that we are losing some of the growers uh, here in Michigan, Ohio's struggling. New York's losing some growers, and maybe the pandemic's just kind of been the the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, I think I think there's been growers, you know, and I'm talking about people with two to five acres type of thing that have tried have been asking themselves whether they should stay in business or not. And I think with this thing coming along, it just kind of said, you know, (laughs) this is a good time to say the hell with it and throw in the towel. Um, So I think that that's, you know, I think it's more in a coincidence. I think we're losing people just because they were getting close to giving it up and the the pandemic uh, just gave them the final reason or excuse. Um, from, yeah, and I think from a sales standpoint, um, that's a, to be determined. Um, we know that a lot of our customers, uh, weren't brewing beer, um, you know, several weeks, if not months out of the, this year because of the, uh, shutdowns, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're, they're trying to do curb service and selling some things with growlers, but still a lot of our customers might be selling uh, keg beer, you know, like at the bowling alleys or, you know, you know, different bars and things, and a lot of that went away. So I think it's to be determined on how quick they can get back up and and running. Um, We have found that a lot of the customers that do, you know, strictly the pint beer across the the counter, don't need our product right now, but then there's other customers that are using more than they've ever used from us because they got into canning and bottling and mm-hmm. they got some shelf space and they, they, well, they either got shelf space or they are also doing curbside service, but it's a quick and easy way for people to run in and grab some beer and go home with it. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that some of the craft beer industry is doing quite well. It all has to do with, uh, you know, where they're canning and bottling and uh, they, you know, they got that reputation and the following for people to want to come and buy their stuff. I So bottom line is, <laughs> it's a to be determined. I think we're, yeah. we're going to learn a lot over the next uh, three to six months.
0: Yeah. I mean, it would be nice if, you know, I think Fauci said today that, He's hoping by April if things are ramped up that everyone will have that wants one will have had a vaccine or at least the first one, which is a accelerated timeline from the last time I looked. So that would be really nice going into summer if you know things were back open again because I think people are gonna be ready for it after especially after the winter, but also after just not being able to go out and enjoy a beer. Yeah. Mark, is there anything else that uh you know, the people listening should know that uh, we haven't mentioned, or that you haven't mentioned, we haven't
2: asked. Any uh, words of wisdom? <laughs> uh, uh, not, you know, I don't know, nothing uh, significant. I, I will say that uh, I think the hop growers of Michigan, you know, continues to uh, hold its own. It, it's uh, difficult at times, you know, because it is a hundred percent voluntary organization. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think that we have been successful at is working with uh, Michigan State University. You know, we, we being that we are an association and this legal entity, it helps facilitate grant funding um, for MSU to do research in um, addressing, you know, downy and powdery mildews and different types of diseases that uh, can come into Michigan hop yards, so.
1: Um, yeah, that's been so critical for our researchers to have that collaborative relationship with the with the grower group, because, you know, obviously these granting agencies want to make sure the focus is being put where the, the farmers need it. And so that partnership has been really key. I know Dr. Miles and Dr. Malmstrom and, and others have um, really worked in close partnership with the group to to leverage those funds and get work done. So we appreciate that from our side, obviously a lot too.
2: Yeah, well, you know, and it's been definitely a a good working relationship where uh, MSU has um, the interest or the desire to help the hop growers. And the fact that Hop Growers in Michigan is, you know, we're all in the same box, you know, like the, the way we were before the association was formed, uh, we were, you know, a bunch of kittens running around and trying to get us all in the same mm-hmm. box was impossible.
1: <laughs> um, so
2: now at least if somebody says, you know, hey, let's talk to the Hop Growers Association, there, there's some um, organized group rather than, let's call hop, hop Farm A and then Hop Farm B and then Hop Farm C. and See if we can get a consensus on what we ought to be doing, uh, so I that's, think that's
0: super important, I think you're right, Mark. Without that organization, without uh like your leadership right now in that group, uh we couldn't be you know working with folks on campus to write grants because without that collective voice, it's nearly impossible uh, mm-hmm. and the other thing I would say is that uh and I don't know why this is, but we just heard a couple of days ago, and I think Janelle talked to you as well that. The hop growers, more so than any other um, group in the state, had the highest percentage of responses to the USDA uh, National Ag Statistics Survey. So, which is super
1: important. It's like our, um, you know, it's it's the federal government asking how many of you are there, and it. It comes into play when they're think about thinking about allocating funding and resources. And so, right. thank you everyone who filled out that survey, and took the time to do it. Keep doing yeah. it every
2: time. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's great. That it shows. I, one of the things I think it shows is uh, there is a huge commitment to an int- You know, to be a hop farmer, that it's just a huge mm-hmm. commitment, not only financially, but your work. You know, got blood, sweat, and tears in it, and all of us want to be successful so i think uh you know we the association kind of encouraged everybody to re, you know do those responses and uh, mm-hmm. everybody was willing to do it um i'm anxious to okay. see the numbers uh, i hope uh they you know the results are published soon and you too
0: because that's something that really difficult to get a grasp on um we can call everyone and we can guess. You and I have done that in the past, um, but you know, having having those reports will be really really useful.
2: The, so. the, Rob, the, there's no guessing involved. Those are statistically analyzed and <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, Mark, how many growers do you think there are?
1: Well, yeah, me too. Right
0: around there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Squint your eyes and rub your chin while you're coming up with a number. I don't think that's very defensible.
0: Yeah, yeah. we're probably close.
1: So, Mark, if people are interested in learning more about HGM, where can they go?
2: uh, We do have a website, and uh, we have a Facebook page. So, or they can call me. Um, Mm -hmm. Our yeah, our (laughs) contact information should be on the. Uh, Website. I'd be glad to talk to people about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, part of it is, uh, you know, when you join any association, you kind of say, what's in it for me? Uh, You know, am I getting value out of this expense? Um, Our fees right now, for for an annual basis, I mean, we're talking around 150 to um, 250 bucks per year. And, you know, so, that's always everybody's, that's always one of the things you say, am I going to get my money's worth out of that? What does the association do? And I know in addition to the work that we talked about with MSU, we're trying to get uh, some funding now for uh, marketing of Michigan mm-hmm. grown hops. And, mm-hmm. and again, um, I myself, you know, Top Hop Farms, I can't submit a, request for a grant that would give me money to promote my business. But the Hop Growers of Michigan, as an association, can go to request funds that would promote our, you know, hops grown in Michigan. And so we're doing that. Uh, We Mm -hmm. are applying, again, for um, marketing funds to help promote um, Hop Growers of Michigan's products, um, not only within the state of Michigan, but probably, uh, you know, across the Great Lakes area or areas that people um, say we should be going to.
1: Mm-hmm. So, And HG, HGM also, so can you explain, and I could have this wrong, Mark, but membership in HGM, which pays up to the national organization of HGA, also gives you access to their resources, correct?
2: That's correct, yep. Yeah. So. So So there's some
1: member-only resources there that are really great to take advantage of, especially for new people.
2: That's correct. Um, There's a lot of things that, uh, a lot of resources that you can use. They have the um, uh, Good Binds program that they've been adding to on their website that are uh, tools to, you know, basically back to what we were talking about earlier, to help farms uh, put some consistency in the way they do things. Um, The other thing about Hop Growers of America is uh, again, it's one of those things where you don't have to pay and you don't have to get involved, but you're getting some of the benefits of all the research they do out there. Mm -hmm. Um, What I mean by that is they, uh, you know, they have a tremendous amount of resources out there that are addressing uh, diseases and, and Um, mildews and things that show up and insect infestations and things like that, they're doing that. And that knowledge becomes available to us. So, you know, for me to say, yeah, hey, that's benefit. I'm willing to throw in some money for that because it does help me. Um, And, you know, it's just a good thing.
1: Yeah, we actually interviewed Anne yesterday for the podcast series and you know the work that they do around maximum residue level harmonization and the photo the produce safety rule, FISMA rules and stuff. I mean, they they really are kind of a sentinel lookout for all people involved in the hop industry across the US. And I think, you know, what's What's been really great to see is I think, you know, as Michigan and these other emerging or re emerging regions came online, they they really kind of spread out their wings to cover everybody. You know, I think they're working hard to think about, you know, the growers in regions and how they can support them as well. So that's been really nice to see. Rob, what what's going that's, on there? That's not, that's probably that's not de- me, man.
0: We talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> talked about that yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, You know, I think that another thing, and um, I don't think we talked about this, is that Hop Growers of Michigan, well, Michigan is one of four states that are state members of Hop Growers of America, which, you know, Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, and Michigan. So that also means that because HGM contributes to that um, and pays uh, quite a bit of money each year, and that's what a lot of these dues go to, uh, is that we have a seat on the board at the national level so that some of the needs that we have are, um, can be conveyed at that level mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. I think that's another super important um, reason to be a member of Hop Growers in Michigan. Yep.
2: I do too. I agree. And the other thing that we have mentioned that they do is uh, they are um, bringing out the publicly available uh, varieties. You um, know, mm-hmm. a lot of us are competing against uh, these private, you know, uh, hops that are uh, the gr- latest and greatest and the breweries are willing to spend, you know, some pretty high prices for some of these special hops and uh, it leaves us small farmers out, out of the picture completely because uh, you're not allowed to grow, you know, the proprietary hops and we're too small to make it worth their time to even allow us to participate. So, Hop Growers of America and the universities out there are putting a tremendous amount of resources into developing uh, hops that are available to everybody across the country, which would that obviously include us. And in fact, Triumph mm-hmm. is we have probably three, th- th- we have, right? We actually have four. Hops at our farm that were developed and released uh, as a result of Hop Growers of America's work out there.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. We talked to John Henning the other day, too. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Mark. Really appreciate your time. I'm gonna go see if my dog attacked the UPS man. Not. <laughs> I,
1: I just do want to throw in there that the website is hopgrowersofmichigan.com. Very creative, you guys, but easy to find. And I think um, there's lots of great resources on there. So if people are interested in learning more about HGM, you know, take some time and check it out, and give Mark a call. Like you said, he's listed on there as one of uh, the board members, the current president. So. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Mark.
2: You bet. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having us.